Hello and welcome to another episode of Snippets. In this episode, we'll be learning about angle closure disease. To educate us about this silent thief of sight, we have Dr. Ratini Lillian David, who is a senior consultant in the glaucoma department in Shankar Netralaya, Chennai. Angle closure disease practice update. Angle closure disease can be a vision-threatening disease either in the acute form or in the chronic form. By the year 2040, it is predicted that 32 million will be affected by angle closure disease, with Asia accounting for 77% of the worldwide primary angle closure glaucoma. Angle closure glaucoma is one of the leading causes of irreversible blindness in the world, with the risk of blindness being three times higher than in primary open angle glaucoma. Early detection and treatment may considerably help in reducing morbidity, especially in the developing countries, wherein greater than 70% of the glaucomas still remain undetected. Previously, angliflocial disease was classified based on anatomy, morphology, mechanisms, duration, etc. In order to avoid this perplexity in the nomenclature, the International Society for Geographical and Epidemiological Ophthalmology ISGU in short, has created a standardized definition for primary angle closure disease for the purpose of survey. This classification is currently being used in our day-to-day practice. Based on this classification, primary angle closure disease has been classified as primary angle closure suspect are those in whom greater than 180 degrees of the posterior trabecular meshwork is not visible. Primary angle closure are those having greater than 180 degrees of non-visibility of the posterior trabecular meshwork along with raised intraocular pressure or peripheral anterior synecae or both or any evidence of prior attack of acute angle closure crisis. Primary angle closure glaucoma are those with corresponding disc and field changes. The various risk factors implicated in the pathogenesis of angle closure disease include female res, hyperopes, short axial length, small corneal diameter, shallow anterior chamber, thick lens, and the presence of lax zonules. The involvement of the lens is well established in the etiopathogenesis of angle closure disease. As age advances, the anteroposterior diameter of the lens increases, which can contribute to further narrowing of the angle, aggravating the iridotrabecular contact, causing relative pupillary block, one of the main mechanisms implicated for angle closure. The management includes investigation, wherein gonioscopy still remains the gold standard for diagnosing angle closure disease. With the vast development in the field of anterior segment imaging, such as ultrasound biomicroscopy, anterior segment OCT, swept source OCT, it has become possible to understand various mechanisms other than pupillary block involved in angle closure disease, namely platoiris choroidal expansion. Anterior segment imaging allows various quantitative measurements which helps in estimating and predicting angle closure. Different independent researchers have identified various risk factors for angle closure, including iris parameters such as thicker iris, increased iris volume, and greater iris curvature. Smaller anterior chamber width and anterior chamber area, decreased anterior chamber volume have also been linked with angle closure. High lens vault and thicker lenses are also considered as an important independent risk factor for angle closure. Coming on to treatment, laser peripheral iridotomy still remains the mainstay of treatment in angle closure disease. However, its role in all primary angle closure suspects is conflicting. Traditionally, it was thought that LPI 
reduces the conversion to primary angle closure or primary angle closure glaucoma. The recent randomized controlled study from Johnson, China, the Johnson Angle Closure Prevention Trial, commonly called the ZAP trial, done in order to assess the effect of peripheral iridotomy in preventing angle closure in primary angle closure suspects. Of the 11,000-odd individual screen, 889 eyes were randomized to the treatment arm, which received LPI, and the other 889 eyes were left untreated. They inferred that 19 of the treated eyes and 36 control eyes progressed to reach the primary endpoint of elevated IOP or progression of peripheral anterior sinecae or development of acute angle closure crisis. Hence, the benefit of LPI in all primary angle closure suspects is questionable and it has to be individualized to the requirement of the patient. Howard's role in certain primary angle closure suspect eyes cannot be undermined, especially in those whose fellow eyes have suffered an angle closure crisis, those who need frequent dilatation and those with a family history of glaucoma. LPI is quite effective in treating acute primary angle closure or angle closure crisis but often it may not be enough to stop them from progressing to PAC or PACG. Nearly two-thirds of the patients need further management for IOP control and about a third of them need filtering surgery. So these patients must be closely followed up after an LPI. Coming on to glaucoma filtering surgery. Glaucoma filtering surgery has been preserved for those primary angle closure glaucoma eyes which are not medically controlled and the decision also depends on the severity of the glaucomatous damage. The old teaching of presence of greater than 270 degrees of sinecal angle closure requiring filtering surgery for control of IOP still holds good till date. However, one must keep in mind that the possible risk of complications such as progression of cataract formation, the risk of malignant glaucoma being far greater in these eyes. One must take all due precautions such as use of pre-operative hyperosmotics, intraoperative slow decompression of the globe, tight scleral flap suturing, and avoiding shallowing of the anterior chamber both intraoperatively and postoperatively, judicious suture removal and suture lysis. With advancing age, patients usually have coexisting cataract which have to be addressed in the same sitting. On many occasions, a combined surgery may need to be performed. In a randomized control trial done by Tam et al. involving medically uncontrolled chronic angle closure glaucoma suspects subjects with cataract, the combined phacotrabaclectomy group had greater IOP control than the phacoemulsification alone group, but however, the rate of complications was more in the phacotrabaclectomy group. In acute primary angle closure eyes in which a crystalline lens plays a pivotal role in pupillary block, RCTs have been performed comparing laser peripheral iridotomy and phacoemulsification in acute angle closure eyes and they have found that there is better IOP control in the FACO group in comparison to the LPI group. So early FACO emulsification may be beneficial in these patients, especially in the presence of cataract. Coming on to lens extraction, much importance has been given to the role of lens in angle closure disease in recent times. In angle closure glaucoma eyes, FACO emulsification provides effective IOP control and helps reduce medications. However, the dilemma arises in the presence of a clear lens. Tham et al. in yet another comparative study in medically uncontrolled glaucoma without cataract reported significant and a comparable IOP drop in both the FACO and the trabeclectomy arms, but there was a greater dependence on medication in the FACO group. In the recent EAGLE study, which is effectiveness of early lens extraction for the treatment of angle closure glaucoma, 
in which early lens extraction was compared with LPI in primary angle closure with intraocular pressure of greater than 30 millimeters of mercury and in those with early primary angle closure glaucoma. They reported that those who underwent early lens extraction required lesser medications and they needed less further interventions and had an improvement in the quality of life. Oh, this inference cannot be a blanket treatment for all, as in younger individuals there will be loss of accommodation and the risk of complications in persons with no visual disturbance must also be borne in mind. The results cannot be extrapolated for those with primary angle closure with IOP less than 30 mm of mercury. And also, we cannot be certain that the intraocular pressure would remain normalized in the long term as long as angle closure disease is an ongoing continuing disease and the FACO emulsification reduced the intraocular pressure in the angle closure rise by a range of 2 to 12 millimeters of mercury only. Early lens extraction may be a viable option after discussing with the patient and in some cases with progressively narrowing angle and shallowing anterior chamber depth and the presence of a Mount Fujiyama sign on gonioscopy. Goniosynechialysis. This technique can be performed under direct visualization or indirectly in those with significant synechial closure in combination with the cataract surgery. It specifically works better in acute angle closure eyes than in chronic angle closure glaucoma eyes along with cataract surgery. An RCT comparing phaco emulsification and phaco emulsification plus goniosynechialysis in PSC and PSCG eyes with at least 180 degrees of synechial closure showed that there was no significant difference in intraocular pressure control between the two groups. The goniosynechialysis may not be very effective in cases where the trabecular meshwork posterior to the peripheral anterior synechia may already be dysfunctional and there is also always the possibility of peripheral anterior synechia reformation and the effect of IOP lowering may not last for more than 3 years. So the key points are laser peripheral aerodotomy still remains the mainstay of treatment Treatment must be individualized based on the extent of peripheral anterior synechia, intraocular pressure, lens status, and the severity of glaucoma. In primary angle closure and medically controlled primary angle closure glaucoma, in the presence of cataract, an early phaco emulsification may suffice for IOP control with or without goniosynechialysis. In severe angle closure glaucomas, a combined surgery may be a better choice due to the chronicity of the disease and the extent of peripheral anterior synechia. Clear lens extraction may be a treatment option in select cases, but the definite indication to perform a clear lens extraction still remains unclear. Thank you ma'am for such an enlightening talk and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Please tune in next week for a new episode.